With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Dear Tech Buzz Extra Buzzers, Announcement. We're holding a virtual happy hour with a special guest, Dan Grover, next Thursday, April 16th, from 3 to 4 p.m. PST, 6 to 7 p.m. EST. You might have seen his writings on UI from his days at WeChat. Anyway, we want to have a discussion around how Chinese internet companies came together and built the health QR code system, as well as other initiatives that helped combat COVID-19. Perhaps you might leave with some ideas as to what you can do. It'll be super chill and very interactive, but capacity is limited, so sign up soon. Go to techbuzzchina.com community. Today's drop is an experiment. We're promoting our new TechBuzz Extra Buzz newsletter. For just $2 a month, you can get extra content on China Tech beyond our podcast, just like what you're about to hear today, except in a newsletter format. So sign up at techbuzzchina.com newsletter today. Stay well, everyone. The President's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after a whole night thinking, I say I still want to do it. We talk about public companies all the time, but given the topic, I want to reiterate this disclaimer. The following content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Here we go. How Luckin's luck ran out. The biggest story in China Tech in the last week was the alleged fraud of China's on-demand coffee company, Luckin Coffee. Racing coffee. I use the word alleged because the investigation is still ongoing. Although the company has already filed a 6K with the SEC saying that the preliminary investigations have already uncovered fabricated transactions from the second quarter of 2019 to the fourth quarter of 2019 of around $300 million. I mean, the now known to be unreliable Q2 and Q3 reported results add up together to about $340 million half of what Luckin was expecting for the period. So there you go. That's the scale of the fraud we're talking about. And to whom may we owe this heroic effort? The now suspended COO and his four minions, apparently. The stock fell about 75% the day of announcement. And as of writing, it's only inched lower. From over $10 billion just three months ago, when it was trading at a $51 right after its concurrent convertible and follow-on offering in January, to $6.5 billion the day before this announcement, Luckin is now hovering at just a tenth of its 52-week guy, right around a billion dollars in market capitalization. I absolutely regret not covering this company more on TechBus, but the choice was a conscious one. The company was just so uninteresting. 
When we first discussed it in December 2018, a few months before its IPO, and just 13 months after its founding in November 2017, we called it the Uber of coffee. It made sense. The company was founded by a team who had previously launched a car rental and ride-hailing business, now listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And in either case, it was very obvious this was no Starbucks, even though that's how it built itself. What it did was it used an app to do everything, which meant that it was digital from the get-go. But the vast majority of its stores were kiosk-like and delivery-only, not a cafe but a pickup station. Optimistically, we thought that they were trying to build a new type of F&B business, one that's digital first and primarily delivery, which would have made it, in startup speak, a kind of cloud kitchen business. I still think our idea was a sound one. It was, after all, a business that Travis Kalanick, ex-CEO of Uber, was also getting into. At the time, and from listening to Tech Buzz, you probably know of the many instances where Chinese entrepreneurs have taken a story from the West and localized it for China, like e-cigarettes, e-sports live streaming, etc. So I didn't think of copying Travis as too much of a stretch. Plus, even at that early stage, Luckin was already expanding into light snacks, so it all seemed reasonable. The problem was Luckin didn't do any of these reasonable things. It just continued to expand mindlessly and supercharge the "we are the Starbucks killer" story for good reason too, because at least overseas investors bought into it. More on that later. That allowed it to price at the top of its IPO range, seventeen dollars a share, and even upsize its IPO to raise five hundred sixty-one million dollars last May. Cash in hand, it went into franchising tea stores as well as automated vending machines. It successfully used all of these distractions to raise a further near billion dollars in a concurrent follow-on and convertible note offering in January, both of which were exercised in full, including over allotments. What capital markets mastery! But also, I thought, so boring, so uninnovative. So the only time I thought about talking about it again was when, shortly after its convertible offering, renowned short seller Muddy Waters posted an 89-page report from an anonymous source alleging that Luckin was a quote fraud and fundamentally broken business end quote. Theatrically, another short seller, Citron Research, came to Luckin's defense. Citron said that it had also reviewed the same anonymous report, but had done its own research. And come to a different conclusion. Unfortunately, as we'll find out later, the research it did was far less intensive than anonymous and less accurate. So, what exactly happened? Well, I'm not an investigative reporter, so I can only tell you what I'm reading from those who claim to have done the primary research, and a picture does emerge. But more importantly, I think Luckin is a story of information asymmetry. While there were skeptics and cheerleaders on both sides of the ocean, a lot of times they didn't seem to be telling the same story. And if you listen to more the voices on the ground, it may not have led you to assume fraud, but it might have led you to do a bit more digging, a bit more questioning. I mean, why were so many people in China hating on the company? Do they not like cheap coffee? The anonymous report. Let's first start with anonymous. 
Anonymous's report was 89 pages and enlisted 92 full-time, 1,418 part-time staff on the ground, who recorded over 11,000 hours of video. That's the equivalent of 981 store days, covering 620 stores in 38 different cities. Got that? This was one epic report, but who was behind it? Well, the most comprehensive series of articles that came out of this whole lucky mess has been from Ran Caijing, a one-year-old new media run by an ex-Caijing and Phoenix reporter. So, according to them, the fund who paid for all the diligence that went into the anonymous report is Snow Lake Capital, a primarily long fund. Snow Lake has since denied this, so we may never know which fund went to the great trouble of exposing Luckin in this dramatic fashion. Anyway, if we believe the detailed Ran Caijing reporting, the flow of events seems to be this: when Luckin was going public in May of 2019. A lot of investors were already very skeptical. Remember, it did have the distinction of not even 18 months to Nasdaq IPO. Congratulations on your success. We're exceptionally proud to welcome Luckin Coffee to the Nasdaq family. Now, I'd like to invite Jenny. Snow Lake was one of these investors, and apparently hired some people to do customer counts very early on. No idea what they found, but their views. Were sufficiently negative that they then hired an expert network called Third Bridge to conduct some initial interviews. One of these experts says his interview took place last August. Obviously, these expert interviews further confirmed their suspicions that the business was unsound. So, two domestic Chinese consulting firms, Huisheng and Merico, were retained to do further investigations. These two companies, who both do commercial due diligence for PE and VC funds, were the ones who finished the massive Luckin order counting project. I don't know about you, but I was pretty curious at this time how it was all accomplished, though I had some ideas, having some idea of labor costs in China. Sure enough, as I guessed, the report was built on the blood and tears of Chinese university students. Only half kidding. In China, it's high school that's tough and college that's a breeze, in comparison, anyway. In fact, if you're not preparing for graduate studies, you really do have quite a bit of free time. So many college kids work part time on the side. Of course, consulting internships are coveted, so these consulting firms try to pass these gigs off as consulting on a coffee project. That probably got some folks in the door, but. Really, only those with no choice or nothing better to do would want to sit there all day counting luckin orders. So yeah, the 1,418 part-time staff turns out was a bunch of college kids, and anyone else who needed spare change and could follow directions. Ran Caijing actually posted what they claimed to be an example of the original hiring notice, and we chat screen grabs of the interns' job descriptions. The interns were paid 200 to 300 RMB. That's 30 to 45 USD per day, depending on which city they were in. But it was hard to hire people because the job was so mind-numbingly boring. They literally had to sit there for hours, except bathroom breaks, and record down how many orders each store was generating, from opening to close. They were given scripts in case people asked, like. Pretty please, my internet is down at home, and I just really need to write my dissertation. They had to sign in after geolocating themselves and taking a selfie with the storefront, 
report their order counts hourly, and sign out with a selfie too. If they were at one of the many luck and pickup kiosks with no seats, well, good luck. They were just going to have to stand the whole day. And oh yeah, the interns also had to install or carry hidden cameras. Where do you think all that video footage came from? And all that was then reviewed and verified as well. In fact, all videos with more than 10 minutes missing footage were discarded, which is pretty strict. Overall, only 54% of the videos met this criteria, and so that means, according to Anonymous, all the data are of 100% integrity. I'd like a short coffee, please. Chinese tech media is often very effusive about new business model innovations, but not so much with Luckin. At least not for a long time. If you Google Luckin Ofo, that's Ofo, the near bankruptcy bike sharing company, you'll see a lot of results. As early as January 2019, four months before Luckin's IPO, but almost all of these came from Asia-based investors, Asia media, or digests of Asia media. And that's because users in China, fresh from losing their deposits to Ofo, literally ask this question: Is Luckin the next Ofo? The entire bike sharing industry, if you'll remember, offered heavily subsidized rights to gain market share. That's exactly what Luckin was doing, and all of the bike sharing companies went kaput, pretty much. Western media, on the other hand, pretty much regurgitated Luckin's Starbucks story. The typical headline reads something like this: May 2019, Market Watch. Luckin Coffee Incorporated, a China-based company that has quickly become a key competitor to Starbucks Core in that country. Even this week, TechCrunch wrote: The company's disclosure and its positioning in the competitive Chinese coffee market, where the company displaced Starbucks as a retail and delivery leader in just a few short years. Go ahead, search Luckin Starbucks in Chinese, Raising Shinbaku, and what you'll get on the first page instead are articles like Luckin, Starbucks not the benchmark, or Defeat Starbucks. Are you sure you understand Luckin? The lone headline "He defeated Starbucks" link is from a Taiwanese media. Everyone else is pretty clear. Luckin and Starbucks are completely not comparable. I'm pretty confident that if you're a longtime TechBuzz listener, you wouldn't have had that idea either. Like I said, I might have guessed their eventual direction wrong, but no one could have possibly mistaken Luckin for Starbucks. That was just corporate storytelling. But as I said in a recent video interview. Luckin was one of the companies where the difference in how customers understood the product and how investors saw it was bewilderingly different. And if you were investing in a consumer product, wouldn't you care what customers thought? And here is what Chinese customers thought: one word, bargain. Or when it comes to the first cup of Luckin, actually, free. Yeah, you invite a friend, they also drink free. Luckin Coffee. You could do this via the Luckin app or their WeChat mini program, and after that, you will get bombarded with coupons via SMS, at least fifty percent off, and sometimes eighty-two percent off. 多喝拿铁剂，全场拿铁产品五点五折。
Now, using free as a way to attract the customer's initial purchase isn't all that weird. But even in subsidy-heavy Chinese consumer internet, which is very, very promotions-driven, see Pinduoduo for another great example. Lugin was considered excessive. There's this one video that's become more viral since the fraud investigation was announced, and it's facetiously titled "Lugin Coffee, the Light of Our Nation." I focus on this because the moniker "Light of Our Nation" has now become the new nickname for Lugin, and it's not always being used ironically, like it is in this article. But despite trying to tap into people's patriotism and experiencing an uptick in orders as customers realize that they might lose their pre-purchased coffee vouchers. So Luckin is just like an ofo after all. It's still really just the low prices that are getting people in the door. But let's go back to the video for a moment because it provides a nice window into what the average but informed non-insider Chinese person was thinking at the time. In other words, an intelligent person. You see, the video's creator is a popular trash-talking Gen Z blogger who works in risk management for his day job and uses his knowledge of finance and business to regularly expose what he thinks are scams. The villains he targets are mostly Chinese, such as Justin Sun of Tron, one of his favorite punching bags. But he'd written a series of articles on Luckin beginning with their IPO. In May 2019, he authored his first viral article against the company. It was titled "Luckin is the most kick-ass Chinese business." Hint: the title is meant to be sarcastic. His whole point was, Luckin is a terrible business that makes no sense whatsoever. Its main highlight was that it was incredibly good at burning cash. They're basically, in his opinion, a nonprofit that's taking American investor money to buy Chinese people cheap coffee. Why would you do this unless you are a quote unquote kind-hearted nonprofit? He would refine the story later, especially post the Muddy Waters report, and imply that this kind of scam was so crude that Chinese investors were no longer falling for it, and that the only way it could survive was to go to the U.S. markets, where people simply hadn't seen this kind of brazen nonsense and hadn't developed immunity to it yet. His viewpoint was popular. Like I said, it went viral. It also shows you the huge disconnect, almost from the very beginning, between Luckin's narrative in the West and how it was perceived or understood in China. Yes, Luckin went public 18 months after being founded, but it didn't actually soft open its doors until December 2017, and its official grand opening was not until May 8th, 2018. So it really went public only 12 months after its official opening, and even the more neutral commentary in Chinese media at the time noted that it should be more vigilant of competition from convenience stores, not Starbucks. Crying over spilled coffee. Now. Luckin has always been well covered in Chinese media. It's a good story, 
but how its business model was faring was honestly of limited interest to most Chinese consumers. Unless you use an overseas brokerage account, you wouldn't be able to invest in it. Your best way of taking advantage of this overflowing of capital was just to take advantage of the cheap coffee. When the fraud investigation was announced, that remained the way most people viewed the situation. The overwhelming reaction was, "What does this have to do with me?" The business community reaction, however, was one of universal outrage. Luckin was a proverbial pellet of rat shit, which, while small, easily ruins an entire pot of porridge, as a popular Chinese adage goes. Not that this alleged fraud is small, but the fear is that, as a singular instance, it would one-handedly destroy the credibility of every other Chinese business. Of course, the ADRs listed overseas, but maybe beyond that as well, it would increase the cost of doing business. Remember, in the early 2010s, when multiple Chinese ADRs were found guilty of fraud, and pretty much trust in all Chinese equities was wiped out overnight. Massive Wall Street scandal that may have cost Americans billions of dollars, potentially more. Not just for public investors overseas, but also private investors domestically were affected too. And now it's worse because there are geopolitical tensions that seem to degrade every single week. Most of the Chinese people I talk to in the business world despise Luckin and think the chairman and executive team need to face some jail time, especially internet executives for whom this hit close to home. Absolutely, no one believes that the COO, with his measly forty thousand options, orchestrated this massive fraud. Especially when it was obvious that he was only brought in because the CMO and formerly named co-founder was revealed by Chinese media to have been to jail before. But A-share retail investors were not as bothered, and not for a lack of A-share acts of fraud. Just ask any A-share investor about their favorite scallop breeder. Well, it's because they told me a company like Luckin would have never been able to go public domestically. Its unprofitability means that it wouldn't have been allowed to list on the domestic exchanges, and even for the experimental star exchange, which is Nasdaq-like and allows for loss-making firms to list, who's to say it would have passed the application process? Star was specifically designed for companies with real strategic IP, not coffee sellers. Not to mention, they said, prosecuted offenders in China get real jail time, and their sentencing is relatively quick. So sure, they're still fraud, but there are serious deterrents. The government is very protective of the health of the stock market. Some would even say they manipulated. And so, in their opinion, except for a few names, ADRs are actually riskier than A shares, and Luckin merely confirms their suspicions. I think they should have more sympathy. Luckin had a bunch of red flags, yes, but without serious work like Anonymous did, it wouldn't have led you to the conclusion that it was a fraud, merely that it was a very bad business. For example, there are those who point to the lack of good VCs and saying the deal was all done by insiders. Liu Erhai and David Li Hui, Luckin's early investors, were previously senior investors at Legend Holdings and Warburg Pincus China. And they can hardly be said to be inexperienced investors. And sure, pretty much everyone involved—the founders, executive team, investors, and even bankers—were the same group of people who were behind the success of Chairman Liu's other children, Shenzhou and its affiliates. 
but business partners who work well together and make money together tend to stick together. That isn't necessarily fishy. What is fishy is what this group accomplished at Shenzhou a few years back. Anonymous points out that they were behind a $1.6 billion dumping of stock there at public shareholders' expense, but still not enough to say Luckin is a fraud. Even the case of Yang Fei, the ex-con CMO we talked about, who was quickly erased by the company, nor its problematic independent director Sean Shao, who's always getting mixed up with questionable companies, neither of these prove it's a fraud. Without deep diligence. I don't think that tells you anything, except to start digging. Who's left holding the bag of coffee beans? Will Luckin get punished? Most of the securities lawyers being interviewed by Chinese media say yes. Very few companies admit wrongdoing after denying it so vehemently, and when they do, the odds are not in their favor. It also isn't a good look that the executive team had pledged its shares and effectively cashed out on 49% of their holdings. Some of those shares, by the way, have now been surrendered because they've defaulted on their loan. Lawyers speculate that there will be monetary compensation and maybe jail time. And versus 10 years ago, at least, there's a lot more cooperation between the SEC and CSRC. From what I could find, under rules in place since a few years back, in case of investigation. Auditors must first provide the underlying audit documents to the CSRC, who will then deliver them to the SEC. If they do not, then an automatic six-month bar may be imposed, meaning that they cannot act as auditor for any SEC issuer. That's why Luckin had to expose itself, as the Chinese press guessed, because while the last two quarters' earnings were unaudited, the upcoming one would have to get the auditor's sign-off. And Ian Y Huaming LLP simply wasn't willing to do that. So what's to take away from all of this? Are we back in the times of Sinoforest when it seemed like every Chinese company was cheating in some way? Far away in China, that has affected thousands of American investors. That was in 2011, if you remember. Also, a multi-billion-dollar fraud and Muddy Waters' most famous win. Well, I certainly hope not. At least the cost of doing fraud seems to be more expensive these days. Balakin shows us that when there are folks willingly or unwillingly, let's give at least some of them the benefit of the doubt, able to spend millions of dollars, willing to dress up a pig, it's easy to make a mistake. Yeah, I know many of us did call it a pig, but only a few of us really got it really right, which was that it wasn't even a pig. It was more like a. Hologram of a pig, and the only way all of this will get better, less fraud, better companies, is if everyone, including China-based consumers and investors, understand that fraud is bad, and not just in an abstracted increases the cost of doing business way, but in a we are all connected and we are all going to hurt from this way. This wasn't just a crime against Luckin's shareholders, but also against its tens of thousands of employees. Certainly, some of them, if not all, will lose their jobs. And Luckin's suppliers, if Luckin becomes insolvent, will also lose money, no doubt. So too will the Chinese retail investors who invested using overseas brokerages, a fast-growing crowd. And there are others still, 
like shareholders in Shenzhou, which dropped 70 percent on the day of the announcement, and even underwriter CICC, who came out in strong support of the company post Muddy Waters allegations, also dropped 4 percent on the news. Left book runner Credit Suisse has already been dropped by We Doctor from its Hong Kong IPO because of concerns over their involvement in Luckin. Underwriters and auditors are definitely responsible, but their fellow colleagues and shareholders may also pay a price. Let me be clear: I have no sympathy for the Luckin management itself, who waited three days, by the way, to issue any statement regarding the scandal, and it was a very weak apology, if you ask me. Of course, they should apologize. At the very least, to their employees, customers, and shareholders. As for you, I hope you escaped the Luckin fiasco unscathed. I know it's made me more aware of the importance of making decisions not based on excitement and buzz, but on full context, firsthand, believability-weighted information. That last one might just be the most important. Not every brand is so obvious about its flaws, but Luckin was practically screaming it. Thanks, guys. This was an experimental one-time drop. Let us know how you liked it. Find us on Twitter at TechBuzzChina, The Pandaily, and my personal Twitter account is RUIMA. You can also email me at rui@techbuzzchina.com. TechBuzzChina by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network on SubChina. Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Cai Weichen and Kaiser Kuo. Thank you for listening.